Hello there! It's a podcast to good to late. My name is Dasha and I'm from Russia. Here I'm trying to figure out how young Russians approach the Russian-Ukrainian war. Please share it with your friends and leave a review on the Apple Podcast or whatever platform you prefer. For this episode, I talked with Robert. He was born and raised in Moscow. He used to work for the American center of the U.S. Embassy in Russia, and he's open gay. And after Russia invaded Ukraine in February last year, he realized it was about time to relocate to a better place. So he moved to Los Angeles and founded his own LLC, Widers DE, devoted to digital media production and IT consulting. We talked about relations between Russia and the United States, homesickness, and what it was like to be gay when your homeland doesn't accept you. I hope this episode will bring you new insights into Russia's young generation. Enjoy! Thank you so much for agreeing to participate in the podcast. Um, How is it going? How are you? Um, generally speaking, I'm doing fine. A bit anxious as usual about everything and anything. But but I'd say I'm okay. And thank you for asking. Um, for sure, you socialize with locals a lot right now. How do you like Americans? You know, there is like an opinion stereotype, maybe that Russians and Americans are actually similar. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I would definitely would agree with that. You know, I started to notice here how we are all universally becoming very much alike to each other in the way we think and what we want because of the internet, right? The baseline is people from both United States and Russia want to be happy, prosperous, and successful. You want to be surrounded by friends and have fun watching Netflix, Hulu, HBO, whatever. And on top of that, I think we both also desire to have this concept of our lives where it's kind of like mirroring what we see on social media every day. The cream of the crop, right? It's also important to mention that social media, in part, is representing American lifestyle. American life, from big Hollywood movies to YouTube bloggers and Instagram influencers, these are things created here and they resonate with the rest of the world every day. In fact, even in countries that have some degree of anti-Western sentiment, including Russia, we have to acknowledge that here, Russians still operate on daily basis with American-made social technologies powered and prospered by the democracy, by the way. And all of that just makes it easier to draw this parallel between two nations today. Um, But I'd say if Americans and Russians are relating to each other with their desires and consumptions and daily stuff, um, America still has a very unique social environment. An enormous cultural diversity here allows people like me coming from Russia to get out of this white people mode. You know, you get to see a full life spectrum in a way. You start to notice that, oh, wow, turns out, you know, there are minorities, there are immigrants and very different cultures, and they can live together here peacefully. 
And while there are problems existing time to time, everyone has a right to speak for themselves. They have the right to be loud, right? They have the ability to try to shape and transform their communities around their needs. That's one of the definitions of freedom, I suppose. So uh, I can also see how people here treat their government in a different way than Russians. Historically rooted accountability of those who govern is still very much in place here. And I'd say respect it. The change of government for voting is recognized as of hugely importance. importance. Um, and there is a certain kind of passion for representing American values in politics or, inter- or entertainment too. But not like in um, unstoppable, fanatic, uh, patriotism way. There are many fresh takes and criticisms of America is happening on actually popular TV and media shows. And thus the freedom of speech. Um, all, all of this brings me to see Americans just have much broader variety of options here to be heard, seen, and represented. Thus, whether you're big or small, you still have you still have this internal feeling of, you know, I can make it. It doesn't mean purely financially too. So I say Americans and Russians are alike, yet American mentality shaped by exposure to authentic cultural diversity, challenges of post-industrialism and achievements in human rights are still standing out in contrast to modern realities of other nations, including Russia. And then I'm not saying, you know, in a bad or a good way that it is like that. It's just, it's just a different experience, right? And culturally too, and historically. So in Moscow, Russia, where I was growing up and spent most of my life, I... I didn't feel it like this as much, no. Okay. Um, I should be honest with our listeners. We got acquainted actually a long time ago. Uh, Robert and I uh, are alumni of the uh, Media Exchange for Global Achievement program, one of the exchange programs financed by the U.S. government. And we were selected uh, with um, 18 other young Russian journalists uh, to go on a study trip to the U.S. for one month to learn about American journalism and apply this new knowledge to the Russian field. Uh, could you elaborate um, elaborate on why you wanted to participate uh, in this program in the first place? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> um, at first when I heard about it, and oh, geez. Um, okay, as bleak as it sounds right now back then I was saying to myself something like no chance no chance why would it be me why in the world I'll have the chance to go to the US right Um, you see in school I wasn't a great student practically none of my teachers ever believed I could achieve anything but mediocre C life like my grades were except for English insert laugh track (laughs) and then after school I went to Moscow University for the humanities journalism school and by my third bachelor year of studying there I was completely physically and emotionally exhausted 
there were grueling situations during my studies where I would be lectured in front of the whole class, being questioned on my patriotism after asking uncomfortable questions about Russian attacks in Syria. Or some classes would be simply devoted to anti-Western rants of old professors. And you would have to sit there and listen and pretend like you agree. Um, and God forbid you want to speak your mind. Or some, like, on top of that, being gay, I didn't feel like I fit in because most of the time I didn't feel represented. So one day I just took my documents back uh, and I officially quit. And it was like one of that leap of faith parts in my life. It wasn't the time where I knew exactly what I'm going to do. But I knew perfectly that I could not keep doing what I was doing anymore. It's, it's just spending my, mom, my mom's, my family's money and my own time on trying to continue studying somewhere else in Russia. It didn't feel like a right option. Even in the most non-liberal and open-minded higher institution and institutions in Moscow, I was sensing that growing shadow of government political agenda being cast on him. Professors fired, departments closed, moods corrected. So amid of all that, not much to liken of my mom at the time, I decided to build my own way into media. And what I did is basically I started making videos and other graphics as a freelancer. Same year as I dropped out of journalism school, I've learned about media exchange program opportunity. It was um, unexpected. But right from the program description, it felt like a sign from up above. 22 years old, journalist, from Russia, ready to go to America. It was a call for action, and my friends would reinforce this idea to me. So without major expectations, really, I did the best I could to file my application. The program topic was media literacy, and the application itself included a task for creating a media product answering question. Why am I a leader in media literacy? They got me thinking that, well, I'm not. Literally, there is not even something like this that we were taught back in the journalism school. And it was embarrassing. So before filing... I did my own research about different media literacy techniques and study methods. And naturally, I became curious of how collectively we are all influenced by ever-present constant flow of media information and how consciously managing what we read and see on TV, radio, internet, and so on, it all can have incremental effects on our lives, right? Um, it took me by surprise. It felt like it's obvious, but it kind of wasn't. But then it took me three weeks to produce a pretty funny at times 
yet still informative seven minutes video titled I am something you decide what in media literacy. Where <laughs> I basically I explained that I'm not a leader, yet I'm passionate enough to learn and creative enough to bring good out of this possible eye-opening experience in the real American setting. So I did what I could, and in the end, it played out very nicely. I did get selected, and I got a chance to visit the U.S. for the first time, and I've done it so by doing what I love, looking for answers and turning it into a media product. For the first time in my life, compared to university, compared to school, compared to all of those and other institutions back to Russia, uh, back in Russia when I was growing up, I felt rewarded. I felt valuable. I felt like winning this selection competition has given me a value of self. And while Russia was more on the side of, you know, trying to make you tough, but also destroying you completely. So uh, how did this program, this exchange program, change or maybe shape or even like reinforce your views on the U.S. itself and the U.S. external politics maybe? I love America deeply and passionately. And I love that I love it as my family. And when you love your family, you can't be really silent about their flows as well, right? So first time I got here, I was in exchange program and I saw our goal here was to become better professionals in our journalistic job. That's how I saw it. And in this job, you can't get far without ability to question and being critical too. So when we were in Vermont in 2019, we had a media school assignment given to us. Basically, find and produce our own news story during the field trip to the farmer's market in Burlington. And there were 20 of us students and we all went to the farmer's market with our cameras and microphones looking for our story. And again, I don't know if I'm doubling down too much on this topic of diversity, but as soon as I entered the market, I saw a lot of people from Middle East and Central South America not to be, you know, profiling people but it just like it was obvious to me that I entered a very multicultural setting farmers were selling fresh produce and other rep interesting products like honey lemonade <laughs> and this was the place where locals come to buy their food that weekend it looked like there had a huge turnout and I was witnessing all of this happening in front of me and I caught myself thinking that just night before when I went to see Democratic Party debate night like a watch party at the Bernie Sanders local headquarters I heard 
Kamala Harris making a very witty statement on the live TV. And it sounded like America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their tables, guys. Important part, she said it right in the mix of a fiery exchange by other candidates on a panel. And when she said it, I think it was one of the highest moments of that night. The audience went silent and instant applauses followed. Like, I still feel inspired by remember this moment now. But then the second link in my brain happened when I remembered that other day um, I was reading the news about undocumented migrants who got apprehended and detained by local ICE team and they were working ICE is a immigration and custom enforcement enfor- enforcement sorry uh, and, and they were look um, the guys that they apprehended they were working on local farms and that's where I found my story United States have a systematic problem with handling volumes of visa and immigration services, like all of that for migrant workers, especially those who work on farms. And that, in a way, has created an influx of undocumented migrants working here illegally. But here's the point. They are the very same people who produce food for American tables. You see? So how come I see them being put in detentions and well-treated pretty unfair, let's put it like that? It was a stark contrast. And what I wanted to get is what do people who buy groceries from local farms on this farmer's market think about it? Well, you can find out when you watch my special report on Widest DE channel. Um, (laughs) But seriously, I was gladly surprised to see how understanding our locals and supportive are there of those who come here to America to make it a better place. So after this and other experiences during my program, I believe I'm pretty comfortable with wholeheartedly loving America and caring enough about it to call some things out they're not so good right and it's to me it's obvious United States have grown to be a place where many many people want to be living working and becoming prosperous The external politics of U.S. are built on its massive role in global stage and then allowing immigration with regards to human rights is 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 a part of it. It has to happen. Border conversations here have become swarmed in negativity. That I see, it starts to affect people internally as well. And I'm saying, you know, I mostly certainly believe there are better ways to go about people who simply can't afford to come here through hurdles of bureaucracy 
but they do bring good amount of labor force that is needed, actually needed, better ways than to use criminal punishments and detentions against them. It's just really not so first word like. But I'm most positive it will work out. Um, but that's something that I've learned during uh, my program and something, uh, you know, I think worth to talk about. I don't have an uh, exact statistic, uh, but still considering uh, your experience, uh, my experience, my friend's experience, I can say that if a person studied abroad at least once, he would immigrate because he doesn't see any perspective in realizing his potential in Russia. Would you agree with this? Um, oh, so I, I see absolute sense in it. <laughs> yes, I mean, I see absolute sense in thinking like this. Why would anyone would not want to do that? But in reality... I don't think I know too many people who actually moved here, for example, after the program. At least before tw February 24th of last year. I'd say it would be an overstatement to say that many Russians who studied abroad would ne necessarily leave the country for good after. Um, so if we don't take into account actual conflict and the war, that's happening right now. Before that point, the people that I met and who participated in exchange programs as well, Russian people went here and then came back. And a lot of them found their purpose back in Russia as well. And it's a purpose. It's a variety of occupations and missions, not exactly like the same thing they would do here the they would come back and they would promote like a social goods and services would go into engineering for example and then would build things both physically and virtually to make people's life better in russia so even if you are here for like a one two three four months actually moving here it is a serious commitment it is a very difficult thing. It's a mind-changing thing. No matter how prepared you are, I think I was prepared, but even I had to face some degree of cultural shock. It's just, it is what it is, and it's impossible not to have it. And I also seen a lot of people who stay to this day in Russia. They commit themselves, keeping things running. This is uh, really wonderful to witness that there are still a lot of guys and girls back there, I mean, in Russia, that support initiatives, especially those that support young people, to help them make something of themselves and see beyond current Russian problems into a hopefully peaceful, progressive future. He used to work for the American Center in Moscow, and they represent themselves as a center where all Russians can get acquainted with American culture. And this uh, center is sponsored by the U.S. government. It's not like it's not a secret. But uh, at the same time, like there is this Russian propagandistic narrative that uh, Americans are trying to recruit spies there or to promote like gay marriage. 
in the center. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what are the actual purposes of the center? Like, can you like elaborate? What did you do there? <laughs> you know, you mentioned those two things. <sighs> like, you know what? Um, I don't. I'm trying to be very correct here, um, but it's definitely a false idea to think that American Center does something like, you know, promotions or recruitment of anyone, like someone, God, no. It's in a non-commercial, non-profit, and non-partisan open place space available to anyone to come and use their available resources for free. American Center in Moscow is the place of unity of both cultures, American and Russian. And it was, uh, I think it was open in 1993, yeah. Yeah, at the um, Library of Foreign Literature in Moscow. And then in 2015, it had to be relocated. As far as uh, my knowledge goes, because... Well, library being under the power of Russian Ministry of Culture didn't have the choice but to force Americans out after the Crimean conflict. And from there, the AMC is located at the U.S. Embassy compound on Novinsky Boulevard. But funny enough, back in 2015, after American staff had to move out out of Russian library, the library decided to keep the physical location open on their own. Um, this Right now, there are two American centers. One is funded by Americans and one is funded by Russians. <laughs> but, but it's not even a question of competition here. They, they both have very similar purpose and they do it in a similar way. It is about giving people access, free access, to books, um, lectures, workshops on culture, history, business, music, movies, poetry, travel. Like it is, and I say it's American Central Moscow. In reality, it's it's I say uh, it's American Russian Center or Russian American Center, because it's an actual cross-cultural people-to-people space. I can't stress it enough. We've had partnered with Russian companies and Americans ones. We've been providing opportunities for both nations to come together, communicate, build relations, no matter the politics, no matter the politics. A true form of international cooperation. And it's an apolitical environment. We had nothing to do with current political agendas, neither Russians or American government. It is all about people and that's why I love it so much because um, no matter what the opinions might arise from having that name it is uh, like American Center it is simply a community space community center um, yeah so that's that's what I can say about American Center um, did an absence of the possibility uh, to be open about your sexual orientation affect your national identity? Like, long story short, do you hate to be Russian because most Russians are 
stubborn, conservative, and homophobic. Um, being open about your identity, um, being when you're gay per se, I, it's important. And it's like I'm always trying to mentally battle those potential negative people say, oh, so you want to be open, show them flags and pride parades, and then what, turn me gay? You know, I'm like, no, this is not about you. This is just being open. And this is just about being able to say, like, me and my husband, we're getting ourselves a condo. Insert the laugh track. But, cat, I don't know. But, you know, anyone going, uh, talking about it without having to listen to, like, oh, your husband? You must be joking, right? You're a man. You're supposed to be with woman. Or like, oh, you're one of them. Yeah, this is this is uh, what I don't want to go through. <laughs> Being open means feeling secure enough to be open. In uh, those examples, I played miserably. Now, you know, obviously, are barely sinister ones. Being open means you're already recognized as a part of society with rights. You don't have to feel that scrutiny of fear of being uh, harassed or prosecuted. So being criticized or affected legally or, God forbid, harm, harmed physically by the fact that I live with, you know, in the same-sex marriage or union. No, thank you. I don't want to live in this state like this. I want to be able to take care of my spouse if something happens. I want to build family and have kids with my, yes, same-sex husband-to-be. And I think what's interesting to keep in mind is that, for example, in the U.S., it wasn't possible either some, uh, only some 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but now we have an entirely different situation and outcome for the best. 70% of Americans support gay marriage. That is a huge progress. And once all of the misguided hysterias wear out entirely, then I hope the whole world will treat LGBTQ communities full rights members of the society without even needing to designate them like a special case. So back to this point. What, do, do I hate being Russian because they don't accept um, gays and homosexuality and all that? No, I don't be, hate being Russian. But at the same time, I am in conflict with the country that I grew up in. The one I knew not by historical books some older Russians like to go back to so much and quote, and quote l you know, live like in the good old times. I'm talking Russia I've known through my life. Russian government official stance on homosexuality and other things like human rights issues. And growing up and being gay there, it is difficult. It is mentally damaging. It might not be as difficult as in some other countries that have much stricter laws. But Russia is kind of on the way there. And yet it's still very hard 
to be there for no reason. And now, when I think of the boys like me growing up there in their teenage years and going to the school every day, I don't know how much safer the place is there for them. Like, it hurts because, you know, it, it just feels like, is it ever going to change? Is it? Is it ever going to be better for... I hope. I, I would... It will now. Now, I still have some friends there, um, who you know their life is in jeopardy, and it's not getting any better. That being said, I don't hate being Russian, but right now, it is hard to be proud of being one. And uh, what could make you want to come back to Russia? So right now I'm 25 years old and at this point pretty much nothing except for my family. Family, you know, I would I think my family I hold them to a different accountability than the country. That is because I have a very supportive, very caring um I'm blessed to have them my family and 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 if I would come back then only to see them I don't think it's a livelihood question anymore I'm past the point where I can feel like I can be happy living back there no not just because of everything that's going on right now not just because of the social struggle of being you know It's just I can't imagine being there anymore. Feeling safe just doesn't match up. But I have to mention, just moving somewhere doesn't solve your problems, right? So moving here did help me with some, but going all on a roundabout, doing things on an everyday basis, I started thinking that a lot of my own happiness depends on my own state of mind. That's why I have to be conscious. That's why um, mental health is important. And now I finally have the opportunity to fix it, to heal, to be accepted. Myself, I, I, I'm past the point where I can just go back and live the life because it's, it's the language. It's the way of thinking. It's the mentality. I've been living there like in a bubble and now it's bursting and I can feel like I'm myself the way I always wanted to be and it's rewarding. Uh, for our non-Russian speakers, we have a set expression for our country when we discuss its future and reforms. We call Russia a wonderful Russia of the future. What is a wonderful Russia of the future for you? A wonderful Russia... Um, As how they say, a unified Russia, but a wonderful Russia is diversified as well. A wonderful Russia has a balance of its rich resources and prosperous society. Wonderful Russia is fair. Wonderful Russia is equal. Wonderful Russia is people in power being accountable, right? I'm struggling to see it in real life. 
until we have a biological change of just human generations. We have to let newer, younger guys like fresh ideas and less corruption. No need to go back to the Soviet Union state of mind anymore. Russia that doesn't even live in this current oppression state. That would be a wonderful Russia. Usually I asked like my very last question for the interview. And uh, yeah, but you, you already mentioned that you don't see your future like stick to the future of your motherland and which is fine, but still maybe, maybe it's some, someday you will change your mind. And if so, what would you do to achieve this wonderful Russia of the future? Um, oh God, <laughs> what would I do personally? I mean, what is within my power to do, right? I, okay, I think the majority of the civilized world came to realize that the rescue often comes in form of nonprofits. So uh, I would have opened a nonprofit, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I guess a nonprofit to help people like me. <laughs> Very unselfish, but unselfish. But no, that's that's actually what's happening all throughout the world now, right? When you have the resources and you become of a certain mature age. And then you're like, hey, I did this part of my job. I've made it. Now I want to help other people like me to make it too. At least I would want people to see that this saying that I remember from my childhood, I've heard from grown-ups so many times, I want to prove that it's wrong. And it goes like, no one is waiting for you out there. And that means outside of Russia. This has to end. No one is waiting for you out there. It's being told to kids, told to growing up, younger generations and minds of Russians. And I know that it's a very lucrative to keep people, you know, locked in at bay and like, don't go anywhere. It's bad out there. Bad, bad. Nobody's waiting for you out there. Don't you even think about it. What you gonna do there? They hate Russians. That is a faulty dogma that has been used ridiculously often to make young Russians doubt themselves. And it robs them of their future. Isolates them from the world. For the comfort and greed of old people in power. And that's my personal opinion. Okay, I'm not forcing my personal opinion, but I would like to try to lessen the effects of isolation and make Russians feel more like part of the world community. I think they are still. You were listening to the Too Good to Late podcast. If you liked this episode, don't hesitate to share it with your friends and leave a review on the Apple podcast or wherever you're tuning in. Thank you for listening and come back soon.